Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Not Gonna Lie podcast presented by Student Union Sports. Our time in the NFL is unfortunately coming to a quick close. I mean, really, we've only got about a month and a half left of football, only two weeks left of the regular season, obviously not talking about tomorrow night's matchup, but it's okay. We we will make it through together. Obviously, some exciting stuff coming in the offseason, uh, but let's not even get ahead of ourselves at all. We've got a great episode today with Luke Owens. We talk all about the NFC East, how it's still possible a 6-10 and 10 team can win the division, who they would rather face or who, who doesn't want to face them. Uh, and, and plenty more. Saints Chiefs, the Jets won a game, and Jalen Hurts future with the Eagles. But here we go. Here was my conversation with Luke Owens. We now welcome on a very special guest, recurring guest, and friend of the program. It's Luke Owens. Luke, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I like uh, the the recurring guest theme. It, it has a nice ring to it. So, you know, the people starting to know who I am a little bit. So it's not a, a new a new voice coming at you. But I'm I'm excited, you know. It's, it's weird because we're running out of weeks of football here, so it's kind of sad, but it was just such a fun weekend for sports. I mean, between Saturday and, and Sunday, it was just a treat to just be able to relax and watch some, some football all day. Yeah, and especially now that, uh, you know, we're coming into a spot where we can enjoy the weekends. I mean, I'm getting used to, because, you know, we've been out, my school's been out since Thanksgiving break, so I'm used to the Sunday scaries a little bit, but now, you know, the last few weeks, I've been able to just sit back and say, you know what, this has been a great, like you said, two days of football. And, and now I get to sit down and, and record with a, a, what's probably going to be a regular now, you know, that you're, you're approaching that status We're we're getting I like close. That. Hey, it's got a nice ring to it, but now the new, the new Sunday scaries is going to be realizing, Oh crap, we're getting close to, to playoffs, which is great. The early rounds, but then we start running out of games down the stretch. So, you know, it's kind of some give and take there. Yeah, no, it, it is a little bit, but uh, another good week, another exciting week of football. We're, we're kind of whittling down towards the end here, just in terms of, you know, who's in, who's out. Um, I love the little, like the halftime thing where they break down the, the percentages. Um, but I, I won't be satisfied until, you know, the Colts are, are, are with that 100% in clinch because there is, you know, it's a very real possibility that, that the Colts miss out in the playoffs, even being in the driver's seat. I was talking to my dad about this. It's crazy to me that in the AFC, there's a real chance, a very real chance that there's a 10-win team that even in seven, uh, you know, the expanded playoffs, a 10-win team misses out on the playoffs. Whereas in the NFC, there's a real chance that two teams with nine wins or less are going to be in the playoffs. It feels a little unfair. Something, Something's off about that, you know, I, especially because my yeah. team's, you know, kind of on the outside. It especially feels unfair. Yeah, it's nice to have that, uh, that Z next to the Bills name when I check the standings now, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be an interesting few weeks here, especially, I mean, and the AFC could have been 10 times worse if the Raiders were able to figure it out these last mm-hmm. few weeks. I mean, mm-hmm. this game against Miami next weekend could have been, I mean, it still is big in some capacity, but it could have been one of the bigger games of the year in terms of playoff picture and a game that I was looking forward to. But obviously with Carr getting hurt, with the Raiders defense just looking terrible the last two weeks, that kind of puts them out of it. But like you said, there's going to be a really, really talented football team, whether it's the Ravens or the Dolphins, maybe the Colts love the play the way they're playing right now. I think they're a really sneaky team that could make some noise in the playoffs, but one of those teams isn't going to be playing in the AFC playoffs and it's going to be a shame. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, even you can throw the Browns in there too. They're, they're not in the clear yet. So it's like you said, four really good teams. Um, Yeah. Another, uh, just a a little side note here before you get into Sunday night football, I, I I was at the Colts Texans game a couple of weeks ago, but, who would have thought that we'd see in a span of two weeks, Colton Texans playing. There was a fumble by the Texans inside the five yard line while the Texans were driving. And it was a one score game last two weeks ago, 26, 20 this week, 27, 20 talk about doing it all over again. Uh, yeah. It, it, every, it's like every time the Colton Texans play, there's something crazy happens. And, and it kind of had that feeling going in, even with, uh, the way the game was going early, it's like, uh, this feels like a game that's still going to come down to a possession there. And it ended up, you know, coming down to a possession. I mean, division games are always tough. That's, mm-hmm. that's always been my kind of mantra. I mean, there was a game, you know, six, seven weeks ago where the Bills did not score a touchdown against the Jets. You know, it's just one of those things where 
when you're so familiar with a team, you play them close. And that's kind of the way that Houston and Indianapolis have played. I mean, it's hard to contain Deshaun Watson. The only way to contain him is realizing he doesn't have that many weapons left. But mm. I mean, other than that, you have to, I think I got to give some credit to the Colts for, for hanging on there. I mean, it's not a, a great win, but it's a win that keeps pace, not only in the division, but the wild card as well. Yeah. It's this next week is probably one of the biggest weeks in regular season history for the Colts, at least over the last decade, you know, we play the Steelers, the Titans play the Packers. Um, but yeah, a loss, we, we've Ooh. lost to both the Ravens and the Browns. So backs against the wall here a little bit in terms of, you know, it's, it's a must win game because we don't have the, we don't have the tiebreaker in terms of head to head against uh, the Browns and the Ravens. And we don't have the tiebreaker in terms of uh, conference win record over the Dolphins. So we're really the odd man out, but we still control our destiny. So hopefully, you know, that, that will continue, but I, I, I don't know, you know, how, how long that's going to last, but uh, I will tell you this, this Browns giants game, there was a lot at stake from, you know, a divisional standpoint, the NFC East, obviously the Browns, um, but Baker took care of business. The giants took care of business. My first thought is how, how did the Seahawks lose to this team? I mean, it was nearly identical. No James Bradbury, which I will admit is a huge loss, but how does how does that happen you know like what it's mind-blowing it's mind-blowing and and this is a Giants team that has predicated themselves I mean the thing that Joe Judge has done so well with this Giants team is he doesn't let them get exposed for their weaknesses which really has been the passing game this year they're a team that's very old school run the ball play good defense it's kind of like what Dave Gettleman was Gettleman was saying last year he's like oh we just want to run the ball in the mud you know we just want to pound the rock which is such a such a weird thing to hear the, you know, these days, but that's what the giants were effective at. And, and when they've kind of been figured out these last few weeks, I think that's kind of what's hurt them. But yeah, again, it's, it's Colt McCoy. And that was the same guy that was in there for that Seahawks game. And that's, what's so crazy to me when I look at the NFC between that game, I mean, we'll get into it later, but the Rams lost the jets today. Like it's crazy. The top of the NFC has had some really bad losses, uh, especially in that. I mean, the NFC West is just such an interesting division because I remember last time I was on, we're talking about the Cardinals being the best team in that division. And I mean, since then, it's been real rocky for them outside of, I guess, today. But even today wasn't really all that convincing. So it's just been a really rocky ride out in the West. Yeah, I and I'll tell you this, too. I, I actually made the claim uh, last week. We had James Wood on the podcast and I was talking about my top five teams that I trust going into the playoffs. Not necessarily the best teams, but the top five teams. I had the Chiefs number one, obviously. The Rams were number two. So if that doesn't tell yeah. you, my my belief in the NFC West has just, they betrayed me at every level. Anytime I talk good about them, they've they've seemed to just screw me. They've got it out for me. Uh, but, you know, whatever. That that regardless, I, I now have a big issue with, with the NFC West as a whole. Baker Mayfield has played really good football as of late. I pulled the numbers over the last month. 10 to, 10 to 1 touchdown interception ratio. Uh over 1100 yards and a 73% completion percentage, including a very nice percentage tonight, 27 of 32. I mean, this was the missing piece, really. Like you look at adding Stefanski, you've got Jedrick Wills, Jack Conklin, the tackles, uh, Kareem Hunt and and Nick Chubb are very good at running the football Uh, and Kevin Stefanski loves to do so. But all of that is for nothing. Like we see with this Giants team, if you don't have an effective passer, an effective signal caller. And I think we've we've seen Baker Mayfield kind of unlock himself a little bit and become that field general, that signal caller, who's capable of not only doing enough, but really putting the team on his back in certain instances. You look at last week as well. I mean, I was talking to my dad about it. It, it, it seems like Baker Mayfield has had this chip on his shoulder his whole life. He's always been the underdog, the, the guy who's, who's had to combat adverse, adversity, but Last season, Baker Mayfield had to be the guy, not, you know, not the no pressure, come out of nowhere, make a play, do really well guy. He had to be coming into the, the season, high expectations. And, and now I think he's got the team built around him. Um, I think the defense is lacking, especially secondary. They could get exposed yeah, in the playoffs, time. but, but this giant or this, this Browns offense is really good. I mean, top 10, top five in the NFL when they really get going. Yeah, and Baker has looked just so poised these last few weeks. I mean, he's a guy that can kind of be erratic at times, and that's why I think the marriage of him and Kevin Stefanski, I think, was just so big in terms of his career development. I mean, you can see it across the NFL that quarterback and head coach is is just such an important 
kind of thing to figure out. And the mm-hmm. Browns have a great one, I think, in Stefanski. I think he's going to last there for years to come, which is great news for the Browns because they haven't been able to find that. They haven't been able to find that consistency. And then number two, I mean, you mentioned it. Getting that offensive line in order was so big because you can't really let your franchise quarterback shine unless you have that offensive line in place. I mean, look what happened with Joe Burrow, Burrow earlier in the year. I mean, he's got some weapons on offense, but that offense is never going to work without that offensive line. And they've really figured it out in Cleveland. Like you said, not they still have some holes defensively. They have one of the best, if not the best, defensive players in Miles Garrett. But other mm-hmm. than that, there are some some fills to uh, some holes to fill there. But on offense, I mean, it's not like they were they went out there and absolutely torched the Giants' defense. But that's a, a solid Giants' defense, like you said, without James Bradbury. But they go out there and compete every week. So very impressed with Baker Mayfield these last few weeks. And I gotta say, the Giant or the Browns are just a tough matchup in the playoffs because you don't want to go against Nick Chubb. You don't want to go against, go against Kareem Hunt and you don't go want to go against Baker Mayfield the way he's playing lately either. Yeah. And it's interesting since OBJ has gone down, it seems like the Browns have turned a corner in terms of the, the receiving core. And you've got guys, obviously Jarvis Landry, but Richard Higgins and Donovan Higgins Peoples great, Jones. Yeah. Uh, and, and they've really unlocked the tight ends, which I was a big fan of this Hooper move. Everybody's saying, Oh, they overpaid him. But part of what had, what, what led to the Viking success with Stefanski was having a solid group of tight ends, which you could say they've got probably the best trio in the NFL, potentially. I mean, you heard, you know, Chris Collins were talking about Harrison Bryant last night um, or tonight. But yeah, I, I think the way that they've played um, ha- has really like this is really what it comes down to fourth quarter. You know, they've got a lead. Uh, I think it was 13 to three at that point. Um, and the game is not necessarily put away, you know, but it's kind of one of those hanging in the balance, who's going to make a play type of deal. And then the Browns go in a 14 play 95 yard drive that ends in a Nick Chubb touchdown. Not only is that a time waster, but that's absolutely demoralizing for a defense where you just can't seem to get off the field. You're constantly being put pressure on. And those are drives. Those are moments that win games. Right. And that's kind of what I'm looking for. Not necessarily, you know, a whole, a whole body of work is a, is a big deal but not looking at a game from the whole, but when it comes down to it, who's going to make a play. And I think moments like that drives like that, not only dominate time possession, uh, but you know, if the defense really is a weakness, it keeps the defense from getting back on the field. If you're able to command basically three fourths of a quarter to just your offense, or, you know, a, a little over half a quarter to just your offense, that's a very big deal. And, and, and that's one of the reasons why these Browns, like you said, are going to be a very tough out in the playoffs. Yeah, and this was a really interesting coaching matchup because, I mean, right from the beginning, I was I was kind of questioning what the Giants were doing with that fake field goal. I mean, that was just weird. <laughs> it didn't make sense to me. By the way, big Riley Dixon guy. Love love Riley Dixon. I've seen him do some awesome fake punts at Syracuse. But uh, that, that play didn't really make that much sense to me. And, mm-hmm. and early on in the game, you know, Colt McCoy's a quarterback. You know you're going to lean on your defense don't take they don't take the three there you know they have another fourth down they get stopped on it It was kind of just interesting uh the way that the Giants handled that game and you know it wasn't uh Jason Garrett calling the plays it was Freddie Kitchen so maybe uh something there you know I heard people saying uh he he made some of the best calls of his life for the Browns tonight so uh that, that's good news for him I guess but some questionable play calls and I like the Giants coaching staff and I like what Joe Judge is doing but I think he's kind of he's really maximized the talent on that roster. But I think, you know, the, the juice are kind of squeezing out of that Giants roster is starting to run out a little bit. And obviously it doesn't help not to have Daniel Jones because, I mean, with him last week, I think that was the biggest mistake that Joe Judge made was letting him play. Because the biggest thing about Daniel Jones is his ability to use his legs. And when mm-hmm. he doesn't have one leg and then he injures the other one, he's not going to be quite as effective as a passer. So. You know, I like Joe Judge. I like what they're building there. And I think that they can be successful uh, next year. I think they'll be right back in the mix in the NFC East. But I think for this year, uh, it's probably going to be time to pack it up for the Giants. Well, I will say I was running the numbers on this because I am still. Uh, it's not uh, over. Right. Yeah, I'm in they, love. They I'm in love with the idea. Clear. Yeah, I'm in love with the idea of a six and 10 team somehow winning the NFC East. And I was like, OK, how is this possible? Let me break it down for you. Washington football team first off has to lose out. Okay, they've got the Panthers and the Eagles, two winnable games, but also two losable games. You know, it's kind of kind yeah, of 50 I mean, 50. If Haskins that, plays. Yeah, you, you never know. You never lost. know. <laughs> uh, Dallas would have to split. So lose to the Giants, beat Philadelphia. The Giants would lose to Baltimore and then beat Dallas. And then Philly loses to Dallas and beats the Washington football team. Everybody's well, not everybody's at six and ten. The, the, uh, the Eagles are at five, ten and one. But that means that at six and ten, the Giants would be 
the team winning the division and going into the playoffs. But a lot has to happen. A lot has to go I wrong mean, for a lot to go right. You, nothing you said was out of the realm of possibility of happening. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. And that's what we've come to, to see in the NFC East because you just – you don't know what's going to happen on a week-to-week basis. And, by the way, though, even with Dwayne Haskins, I thought Washington played a pretty dang good game today. I mean, their Absolutely. defense is so legit. So legit. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a team that – you don't want to play in the playoffs. I'm not saying they would win a playoff game, but if you have Alex Smith at quarterback, if you can get healthy uh, in the running back department, that's a really solid Washington football team defense. And I mean, they're fun to watch. I mean, Chase Young was just, I mean, he's, he's awesome. I mean, he's so yeah. fun to watch. I mean, that's a fun team. So again, it's, it's not like they won that game against Seattle today and Haskins. I mean, he had some throws where he just looked brutal, but mm. they had a chance to win that game late. And I think that says a lot about their, their team and their roster as a whole. And also, the coaching of Ron Rivera, not to get too off topic of the Giants, but uh, I had to, I had to give a little shout out to Washington for the way they competed today. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'll be completely honest with you. I'll look you in the face right now and say that game is a potential playoff rematch, right? The Rams play the Seahawks next, yeah. week, next week. Winner wins the division. Loser's probably the five seed, which means they're going against whoever comes to the NFC East. East. A healthy Alex Smith and Antonio Gibson, I think beats Seattle. The, the defense can do enough. Russell Wilson has continually struggled against a, a solid four, four uh, pass rush, which Washington has in spades. I think they're one of the best front four oh, front yeah. sevens in the NFL. You're going to get more than 15 points. I think with Gibson and Smith, because Alex Smith's whole game is, is make this smart play. Don't turn the ball over um, which he does regularly. I, I think they've got a real shot to win this one. And I, I think depending on how, you know, the numbers play out, I'm definitely really considering uh, throwing some money on, on Washington, depending on, you know, how it looks from a betting standpoint, but and I got I got to give a quick shout out. Logan Thomas has been a great kind of anchor for that offense mm-hmm. right now. I mean, he had a great game today. Him and Alex Smith look great when, uh, when they knocked off the Steelers as well. I mean, he could be a really important part. I mean, tight end is just such an interesting position because it can offer you so many different facets and Logan Thomas career high in receptions today. I mean, he could be a really interesting piece for that offense as well. So, I mean, They've got a really dang good offensive line, by the way, that we haven't mentioned yet. Like you said, a great defensive line. They don't have that many weaknesses. I mean, the one weakness, I guess, would be the quarterback position. But we know Alex Smith can manage a game, you know, mm-hmm. as lazy as that sounds. But he could he could keep them in that game, like you said. So that's that's a tough out in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think that's obviously going to be priority number one uh, in, in the offseason. But uh, let's keep it moving here. Let's talk about let's talk about the Eagles. Let's talk about Jalen Hurts and, and the Cardinals. I mean, first off, you think about a career trajectory of a guy like Jalen Hurts, lost the starting job at Alabama to to a a younger, arguably more talented Tua Tagovailoa. They won the national championship. It all works out. Goes to Oklahoma, has a great season, gets drafted by the Eagles, and is now seeing the other side of the spectrum here, replacing, you know, the, an, an older Carson Wentz, who, who was str- not older, you know, in terms of the NFL, but older in terms of between the two of them, uh, but and he's played decently well. I'm not, I'm not overly impressed with what he's done. Still has still hasn't completed over 60% of his passes in any of the three games. But he was playing against three potential playoff teams in in Arizona, New Orleans, and and the Green Bay Packers. I mean, shoot, this is he's he's looked he's injected life into not only the Philadelphia offense but into the Philadelphia fan base. And is that enough for him to be you know the QB one going into next season? It's so weird because this it feels almost like when Carson Wentz started his career with the Eagles in a way. You know, he's this young guy. He's exciting. Uh, you know, Hurts obviously does more with his legs, but, you know, Wentz had that kind of escapability. I mean, that play today where, where Hurts fumbled, picked it up, made that completion to Zach Hurts. I mean, that's stupid. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. That shouldn't happen. And those are the things that, you know, they make me say, this. you know, Jalen Hurts, he could be special. But I am, like, a little bit wary because he's a guy that, you know, I wasn't too high on in college. You know, he's a guy that I like to watch. I think he could be good in the right system. But the, the thing that kind of bothers me the most, and I think should bother Eagles fans as well, is this is how the Eagles should have been playing this entire year. They should have ran the ball. They should have put their quarterback in a good position to make easy throws. But instead, when they had Wentz, they were kind of expecting him to do too much. So it, I'm not saying that there isn't fault to be had for Carson Wentz because I thought, you know, he at some point he looked real bad this year and it's just going to be such a weird decision to make because they gave Wentz that contract so early. And now with Hertz coming back, I mean, 
I don't know if the Eagles could look at their fan base next year and start Carson once again, because I think they've just completely been enamored by Jalen Hurts. And like you said, I'm not kind of like what you were saying, you know, I think he has a ton of potential there, but I'm not going to completely throw all the chips on the table for Jalen Hurts. Cause if, if you trade Carson once away, which not very, it's, it's going to be tough to move that contract, but if you do and Hurts isn't the guy, I mean, it's just another bad quarterback situation for you. Yeah, no, and that's going to be the the big piece, you know, looking into this offseason. I totally agree. I don't think that just from a, a from a franchise standpoint that you can start Carson Wentz going into next season. But you talk about that play where he fumbles it, picks it up, completes the pass. Sure, but that, you know, he has no control over how the ball rolls, right? Like the honeymoon, what happens when the honeymoon phase ends, the ball doesn't bounce back to him. And that's, you know, a, a key turnover. I mean, I, I think about a lot. One of my favorite like references in, in terms of evaluating quarterback talent is how well you can play uh, in, in crunch time. I think it was Bill Polian. That's what he says is his number one thing. When he looks at a quarterback, he says, all right, two minute drill. How effective yeah. are you? Jalen Hurts. Are you winning me the game or not? Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, fourth quarter comebacks, I think, is, is one of the most important stats that a quarterback can have. And you see guys that have continued success in the league win when it counts. And, and I don't I don't know if I'm ready to put Jalen Hurts in that category. Had a couple of opportunities to, to win it, but um, obviously, you know, he's made some really good plays. But I will say, talked about this last week with, with Jameis one of one on the podcast. Um, and I'll pull it up here. I, I threw out this tweet because I thought this was absolutely crazy um so we talked about the Colts as being a potential destination which which I was very interested in um but looking at looking at the numbers here and I think I just kind of spoiled it by by using the Colts as a segue but these are two quarterbacks over the last six weeks okay quarterback one nine touchdowns five interceptions 1200 yards 70 percent completion percentage quarterback two 12 touchdowns two interceptions 1600 yards and 70 percent completion percentage who, who do you think those two quarterbacks are going to be I, I know it's got to be Rivers has got to be one of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got Is he B? He's B. Has he been that good? Wow. He's okay. been that good. It's weird because I didn't think he was that good either, but he's he's done a really good job the last six weeks, is, especially is, not turning the ball over. So I got to ask, is A, uh, a comparison that would be relevant to the Colts, or is it just a guy that you think would be playing better, but actually is being outplayed by Phil Brown? Yeah, yeah. It's a guy that w- it would surprise you to hear that he's being outplayed by Phil right. Rivers. So I, I'm going to throw – is it Russ? It is. It is Russell okay. Wilson. I, I can't. I didn't cheat, but I saw someone mention that in our in our Slack chat. So I'm yeah, like, yeah, that, yeah. But when you tweeted that, I was looking at. It, I was like, I know Philip Rivers is one of these two quarterbacks because he's he's been slinging it, and mm. I can't deny that. And that's the the most interesting thing. And and I think that you could you know guide me through it easier than than the normal person could because you're obviously closer attached to the Colts than I am. But is does it feel like next year is going to be you know, picking up a guy like a Darnold or a Wentz even, or something like that to, to kind of keep him in that number two role or, cause to me, Phil looks like he could still play for next year. And also I want to say, I don't know if I'm done with the idea of Jacoby Brissett taking his place either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big Jacoby Brissett guy. I think he's played really well and they use him in a lot of these short yardage packages it's so interesting that's part that's part of the reason why we've seen such a a revelation from this Colts team we weren't very good at at converting in the red zone converting on third down converting on fourth down and all of a sudden five weeks into the year Jacoby Brissett's taking QB sneaks for seven yards you know know, Phil isn't gonna do it (laughs) yeah yeah and it's just it's totally just transformed the vibe of the offense because you know Frank Reich loves to go for it on fourth downs and now he has a weapon. I think, I think especially next season, we're going to see the rise of, of what's kind of, I think what you can call the QB two, the guys like Jacoby Brissett, the guys like Taysom Hill, um, who, who come in and, and have a role. They're the short yardage guys yep. and are very Jalen effective. Hurts before Jalen Hurts. Happens. Exactly. Yeah. So, so guys like that. Um, I, I think Phil Rivers is probably going to be quarterback next year just because of the way he's playing, unless he does decide to retire. Um, yep. personally, I would prefer a guy like Carson Wentz and, and we can, I mean, this is a whole other conversation, but yeah. we talked about last week, the numbers make sense. Basically, if you sign Carson Wentz, uh, the, the Eagles eat $50 million of that deal, regardless, and you're signing a guy four years, 98 million, you can get out after year two. Like that makes, per- it makes so much sense from a salary cap standpoint, from all, all this and that, but, um, I- I'm interested in that, but if Phil Rivers is going to continue to play this well, also throw another stat at you. The Colts have not lost a game when Philip Rivers is not throwing an interception, that's seven and zero, 
right? Yeah. And that's that's a good that's a good number. Those are numbers you like to hear. Um, all right, well, let's get back before we move on. One last thing um, about the NFC East: if you're the five seed, which we said is going to be the Rams or the Seahawks, who out of the NFC East are you most scared to face? Who do you not want to see? Man, I mean, I think I got to stick with what I said before. I think it's got to be Washington. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy to, to say because if you asked me at the beginning of the year, I would never say Washington because the weird – the thing is this. I think if Dallas was a little bit closer, you know, if they had maybe a game, uh, another win in, in hand, maybe I'd say Dallas because I do like the way Dallas is playing right now, and I think that uh, we've seen Andy Dalton play in the playoffs before. Not that that's necessarily a good precursor, but we have seen it. But I think it's got to be Washington. I mean, they have the veteran quarterback. They have a good offensive line, a good defense. They have great weapons, uh, at least two great weapons in the in the receiving court, and I think some other good pieces as well. I mean, that's a team I don't want to run into if I'm the Rams or the Seahawks. And they're two teams that we've seen them have these letdown games before. I mean, I was with you with the Rams being, you know, a top two, top at least top three trustworthy team in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then they go out and play like that against the Jets. And it's one of those things where – Jared Goff, I don't think he wins you a game in the playoffs. You know, that's one of those games where both defense is good, but I could see Washington winning that game. Same with Seattle. I think Washington is the scariest team in the NFC East right now. Yeah, I will say the Eagles do give a sense of, you know, they can if they can control the pace and play their way, yeah. that defense is good enough too. But I think overall, like you talk about game changers, I'm with you. I think Washington is definitely that team. But let's talk about that Rams game, Rams-Jets. I mean, how how bad do you have to feel for the Jets? I mean, on one hand, you're no longer 0-16, but on the other, you're now missing out on a guy who, you know, now, don't get me wrong, he's not going to be Patrick Mahomes immediately, but he's probably the most pro-ready quarterback since we're talking yeah. Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning. And this isn't just me, you know, this isn't my Colts bias. This is scouts that have been in the years in the league for, for years, for almost two decades saying, yeah, this guy is really good. And you've now essentially missed out on him. It was a great game overall. I mean, I started off with a lot of attention between, you know, flipping between the Eagles and Cardinals and the Chiefs and Saints, and then getting to the fourth quarter. And it's like, okay, I, I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch this game. I'm going to see what, what these jets can do. And, it was good. And I think this is a, this is a lesson. You, you think about it, not only in the whole, any given Sunday mantra of everything, but how good the overall talent is between teams, right? Just in terms yeah. of, uh, of the NFL, like these are still NFL athletes. These are still very, very good uh, players. And I mean, they put it together. That was, it was good. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, I mean, I've never quite been in this situation where I've had a root against my team. I don't, were you rooting against the Colts the luckier? What was, what was going on there? I was I was actually scared we were going to go 0-16. And, and we somehow pulled out two wins at the end. And this, I'll say, I say this every time, and I will continue to say it. No matter how annoying Dan Orlovsky is on, on whatever show he's on with ESPN, I will never be mad at him because he's the reason we're not 0-16. Dan Orlovsky started the last three games of the season won two out of the three and did not enough so that we would win game. We almost won the third one. We almost won three <laughs> in a row, which would have taken us out of the running for Andrew Luck. So you talk about going two and 14, doing just enough, but not too much. Like I was, I was, I was just, I wanted to win more than anything, but uh, yeah. And that, and that's, what's crazy to me because any other year, I mean, even if they win a game one in 15, you're thinking we're still getting that number one pick, but yeah. the way the Jags have played this year, they're not going to get that number one pick. And obviously, again, that every any given Sunday thing where I could see the Jaguars winning another game on accident. I mean, it could happen. They've got – It could uh, be the Colts Indy. again. Yeah, they it could play be the Colts in again. 17. Yeah. I mean, I don't see that being a situation where the Colts don't have to play their guys. Like, they're going to have to probably uh, win that game, so it probably won't happen. But, you know, for the Jets, I mean, this is a – it's crazy. It really is a franchise-altering game in, in two aspects. Because, number one, obviously, you miss out on Trevor Lawrence who is a home run number one pick. I mean, there's mm-hmm. no – you're not second-guessing. You're not saying, you know, if you're that team, you're, you're taking that quarterback. You're taking the generational talent. But in the second vein, it's – if the Jets are the number two pick, I, I might say keeping Sam Donald for another year, and I might try to build my roster around him like they failed to do for so many times. Because I think if they take Justin Fields, you're opening up a second wave of rebuild, which is the last thing that this franchise needs right now. And they don't have a ton of talent, but 
I really like the way that they that they drafted last year in year one under, under Joe Douglas. I think he's mm-hmm. a really solid GM. I think he's going to do a good job building this team. And on top of that, you have a lot of cap space, which cap space is nothing. It's just air until you spend it. But they do have it. You know, I think they've learned from their mistakes where when they had cap space last time, they said, let's go get Lev Bell. Let's go get C.J. Mosley. But they didn't address the offensive line. They didn't address the defensive line. They didn't address any of their other issues. They just went out and got the big names. So I think they can kind of, if they can figure that part out, they're not too far away. And I'm not all the way out on Darnold. Again, if it's Trevor Lawrence, I'm taking Trevor Lawrence. But at that number two spot, they could they could trade. They could get a package for that for that number two. They could draft a different position of need. I mean, it's just such a, an interesting dilemma now for the Jets that I wasn't really expecting to be talking about at the end of this day. Yeah, and I'm with you. I think I think there's some case to be said. They don't need a quarterback as bad as some of these teams do, right? And essentially, if you're tra- if you're thinking about trading back from that number two spot, you're saying, look, you get any other guy you want, not named Trevor Lawrence. Maybe there are teams. Yeah. Maybe you know. Maybe some scouting department likes Justin Fields better than than Trevor Lawrence. I think I Carolina's mean, a name that that could be kind of in that conversation. I wouldn't yeah. be too surprised. And, and and so from from that standpoint, it almost makes sense to move back, get some capital because uh, they do they do have the Seattle's first round pick as well. So they've got two first round picks. They could potentially parlay that into more. Um, and I think I think one of the most underrated moves. Uh, and I'm with you. I love Joe Douglas. I think he's he's one of the best GMs in football. And one of the reasons why is you think about all the contracts they signed in the offseason. They signed like 10 guys, but they signed a lot of them to one-year deals or deals that they could get out of after one year. So now whoever wants to be head coach is basically like, look, we've got two first-round picks. And before it was Trevor Lawrence, it's not Trevor Lawrence now, but you know, it's still the number two pick, $80 million of cap space. I think they have the most attractive uh, head coaching, like if you're trying to bring head coaches in, that's the most attractive spot to go. Uh, and and we can we can talk about this now. I brought it up to you to to kind of think about before we got into it. But you got Jacksonville uh, and the Jets, top picks. Uh, they've got a lot of cap space. The Jets have a better uh, front office, I think. The the Jags are a little bit. There, there was a lot of drama. The, the organization yeah. has a lot to come back from still. I mean, look at, yeah, look at all the stars that have kind of come and went and not mm-hmm. in the, the nicest ways in the last few years. Yeah. I mean, and just, just and, that. Yeah. And, and yeah, the, the way that it seemed like they were openly tanking. I think the Jets just kind of sucked. The Jaguars, no, 100%. Yeah. By, not, by not letting Minshew come back, they traded almost every meaningful player from, from their team. Well, they were at the conference championship almost going to the Super Bowl just a couple of years ago, and, and almost none of those guys are still there. So you've got those two franchises, um, obviously. So you're basically saying Trevor Lawrence, uh, a lot of cap space, or a great front office, a lesser pick, and a lot of cap space, or a team like the Texans, who have, in my eyes, a top five quarterback in the NFL right now, no cap space, and also no draft picks. If yeah. you're a G, if you're a GM, like let's say this is Madden, right? And you're looking at a franchise that you want to rebuild, what seems most attractive to you? Which which side are you gonna kind of lean towards? I think I lean the Jets, which is kind of crazy to me because I'm you know, I'm I'm kind of in the middle because on my on my weekly uh radio show, I'm, we talk New York sports, so I talk about the Jets all the time. Uh I criticize them a lot because there there are a lot of things they do poorly, but at the end of the day, they have a great situation. And again, if this was the Jets scenario, but they had Watson, I'm I'm going with I'm going with the Jets all in because yeah. they have Watson. But yeah, you know, you're talking about the Texans, and it's like, you know, when you first posed that question to me in, in you know the pre-show, I was like, I think I want the Texans because they have Watson. But I'm thinking I have no draft picks, I have no cap. There's nothing there besides Watson, which mm-hmm. Watson is a great starting point. But if you don't have anything around him, like we've seen this year, it's not going to work out. So with the Jets, you're getting. Uh, a guy in Sam Darnold who he has something in the tank, you know, he's mm-hmm. not the worst quarterback prospect of all time. It's just been coaching. I mean, Adam Gase clearly is not the right pairing for him. And if that's, you know, that spot should open up again, there's been a lot. I'm not going to lie, JT. I can't lie to you. There's been some things that like, I'm like, what if they bring Gase back? Like it feels like there hasn't been enough said about him leaving, but I'm sure they'll cut ties after the year. Mm-hmm. And if you can get into that spot, if you can get to work with Sam Darnold, Build an offense around him. A really interesting thing that was brought up by Bart Scott a few weeks ago. He said, Adam Gase comes in and he's building an offense for Peyton Manning. He's not building an offense for Sam Donald. You have to be conducive for what your quarterback needs. Sam Donald is not Peyton Manning. He can't make these reads at the line. 
obviously. No one's Peyton Manning at the line. No one uh, – and they're different skill sets. Sam Darnold a little bit more mobile than, than Peyton Manning. He can do a couple different things than Peyton Manning. You know, they're not the same player. You have to design your offense around your quarterback. So if you can bring in a guy that can do that with the draft picks, with a solid front office, with some cap space, this team really isn't that far off from being – in you know the playoff contention realm which is crazy to think because they could have gone own 16 but it's not that many missing pieces it's just big missing pieces you know the head coaching position yeah and it's almost i mean each of them has a different unique spin it's all it's like it, it, it's different yeah. flavors of ice cream yeah because right? like i didn't what, even say like oh i just gave up Trevor lawrence which is yeah. pretty dang awesome too yeah right and, and it's there's just it's each challenges and, and there are successes like finding a quarterback in the NFL is difficult, right? And it's, and it's, I think it will depend on your view of Sam Darnold. If he is that guy, um, Trevor Lawrence is not a guarantee, right? Like there's still as great of a prospect as he is. Something could happen even to Sean Watson. You know, I, I don't wish injury on anybody, but that's a part of football, right? Like, so it's, it's nothing, nothing is a guarantee in the NFL. And I'm with you. I like the Jets job just because it gives me flexibility. I have a guy, if I believe in Sam Darnold, that's great. I also have the number two pick of the draft, probably. That means I could go Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, or trade back. You know, not to mention the $80 million of cap space. And my boss is one of the best GMs in football, right? So, so it's, it really is a personal flavor, personal opinion on a lot of these guys. And just looking at it from a overall talent perspective, but I do think the Jets give you the most flexibility. Whereas the Texans, you're, you're saying, all right, we've got limited options. You know, what we yeah. can do uh, is tough. All right, we got a couple of things to, to talk about here before we move on to the uh, Monday night preview, which, I mean, to be honest with you, won't, won't take that long. We'll talk a <laughs> little bit. The Steelers will win by many points. <laughs> That's right, exactly. Done, we did it. Uh, so Chief Saints, uh, this is a game that I actually, I, this is my Super Bowl prediction going into the year, so I'm feeling pretty good. It's still in the running. Uh, yep. any, anything could happen, but... I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go uh, against the Chiefs, at least the way they've been playing, um, even though I did have the Saints winning the Super Bowl. But, I mean, I'll say this. I said this probably like week three, and this, is, this still remains true in my opinion. I, may, I might be crazy about this. Um, I might be getting indoctrinated by some of the guests I have on the show, but if the Saints have any shot of winning the Super Bowl, or I should say their best shot of winning the Super Bowl, it's going to be with Jameis Winston under center. For as great as, as, for as effective as Taysom Hill was on the run, you look at the numbers, it's Tim Tebow numbers. Tim Tebow's not winning you Super Bowl. Drew Brees today, 15 of 34. Even that deep ball, that 40, it, I, it was, I think it was 50 yard pass, but it was about 45 air yards. That was it. Like yeah. no pocket, nothing else. If you just asked him to throw the ball, that's as far as it would go. And it's, it, there's got to be something with the shoulder. I feel like, I don't know if you, if you follow part of my take a lot, but big cat's always talking about yeah. how it, it's, it's the shoulder. shoulders, not the rib, but it's so true. Like there's something, there's some injury that he's fighting through. And this guy, I mean, Drew Brees is tough. I knew when he left the game and Jameis came in at halftime a couple weeks ago, that this was a serious injury. I didn't think it was 11 ribs broken, but Drew Brees doesn't go out and, and sit out for nothing. But all that being said, the defense is so good. And the offensive weapons, I feel like aren't being utilized given you know what we've seen from from drew Brees, Taysom hill but you throw Jameis winston behind there they've got a good shot to go to the super bowl and when that happens you never know but i i don't think given the current state the way drew Brees is playing and I, he's not going to go 15 to 34 to end the season right like that's not going to be the the regular for him but overall like it was concerning and i don't know maybe they rushed him back too early but i wasn't even though it was a close game i was I had reservations about this Chiefs team and about Drew Brees. And I I can't imagine, JT, who's been uh, in your ear about this Jameis Winston thing. I can't imagine which guest would be. No uh, idea. There's a lot of guests. But, we have a lot of guests that come on the show. So no, a lot and, of different opinions. And you're not going to get uh, too much of a different opinion from me because even after the first few weeks of the year, I mean, I, I, I tweeted, I was like, Drew Brees is not the best quarterback on the Saints team. It's Jameis Winston. And I, I totally believe that. Uh, Still to the to to today. I mean, obviously today Winston wouldn't have been able to start because he's he's now on the COVID list, which was which is kind of weird. It was weird timing. I was like, okay, I guess James mm-hmm. is on the COVID list. Uh, I I think Taysom probably should have started today. I get it. It's a big game. Saints. I mean, they, they most likely aren't going to get that one seed now that they lost. Um, but for 
for the Saints, I mean, for Drew Brees, he he doesn't look right. Uh, I don't know if it's a shoulder. I don't know if it's just getting older. He doesn't have the same zip on. I mean, he started off terribly. I mean, yeah. the first two drives the Saints had, he looked just awful. The interception he threw was brutal. I mean, it's just not things you're expected to see out of Drew Brees, and we've seen him quite a few times this year. The only issue with this is I can't see a world in which Sean Payton pulls Drew Brees. I can't yeah. see it happening. And it's unfortunate because Jameis probably gives him a better chance to win. And I agree with you in that sense. But I think Sean Payton sees this. If he's smart, he'll see this as we have a great defense. We have good weapons on offense. We're a quarterback away. Yeah, That's how we should see it. But how he's going to see it is we have a good defense. We have these weapons. Drew Brees will be able to do enough to win another Super Bowl. I think that's how he sees it, which I think could be a problem for the Saints. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you. The Saints salary cap is not pretty. I think they're like $90 million under the salary cap, which I don't – like you You don't – like that's that's projected. That's not even where they're at right now. I don't know the number they're at right now, but um, with guys coming off the books, Jameis Winston is one of them. They got him for the minimum – but they don't have, I mean, can they, can they even physically do that? Can they re-sign him? Um, all, all of that being said, does, does, I, I, does he want to come back? Those are, those are the two big things for them. But I mean, he probably wants to start or at least have a chance to start, you know, and maybe the Saints will say, hey, but it's very clear that, you know, Taysom Hill seems to be the guy that Sean Payton likes. It doesn't seem to be a question about that. So I could see Jameis leaving for sure to go somewhere else to at least have a chance. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to guarantee him that, that he will be the starter, I think, is, is probably the, the priority for him to come back. But, I mean, what we've seen from Taysom Hill, maybe there's a chance that he never – Sean Payton views him always as that QB2, you know, like he's always going to be that utility man, the guy that we can put in a, a, in a lot of different spots. But for the, for the Saints right now, I, I mean, it's not crazy. Peyton Manning won a, a Super Bowl in his final year with the Broncos. Exactly, yeah. I think that's kind of terrible. what Sean Payton sees as a possibility. But that's just – it's leaning on your defense so much because look at the way the game went today. I mean, this, the chiefs are going to score no matter who they play, they're going to score. You need to match them. It's not going, you're not going to get enough stops to be the chiefs and the chiefs have some concerns too. And and we'll probably get to them in a minute, but for, for, for the way that saints see this, you have to be able to put up points to match Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. Drew Brees isn't going to be the best to do that. Yeah. And I think, I think everything being considered, the way that Drew Brees played and you lose by three points, and I know they scored late at the end, but yeah, that's a big win. I think that's very good. But like you said, maybe there's some concern with the Chiefs. To be honest with you, I, I've, I've, I saw a lot of it on Twitter and I kind of you know was, was thinking about it. I'm not overly concerned because thinking no. about it, there are a couple teams that I think can, can go pace with them. I think your bills are one of them. Um, I, I think they're a team that, that can go toe-to-toe, you know, just from a scoring standpoint. I don't think, I don't think the Steelers can. The Titans could. Um, the Colts have in the past. I don't know, you know, given this this team this season where they're at. Um, maybe the Ravens, right? Like, like there's half the teams. Yeah. You would even say have a real shot of beating them in the AFC yeah. at, at least, and they are probably going to lock up that one week by. I think that was this was their closest chance to um, losing out on it. So, for as as much as concern there is, I think when it comes down to it. I mean, it's as simple as they're the Chiefs. They've got Patrick Mahomes. Like, they've got the best quarterback in the NFL. They have some of the best weapons for him to throw to. Like, they're almost – they're almost. it almost feels like they're just bored at this point, right? Like, they're just yeah. – they're I, buying I time for the, for the playoffs to happen. But uh, I, I'm not overly concerned. But they haven't been dominant, as you would say, over the last few weeks. And I don't think that's the offense. I think it's just the defense. I mean, mm-hmm. the thing about the the Chiefs defense, and I was kind of – someone pointed out on Twitter, and it's kind of what I was trying to – I was trying to, like, formulate what I was trying to say about them, but I, I couldn't quite put in the words. And it was just the Steelers – or the, the Chiefs defense hasn't put teams away down the stretch. Like, they let the Saints hang around a little bit more than you would mm-hmm. like. You know, Denver even, even though the offense wasn't great that day. Like, they haven't gotten that stop that is necessary, but – in the playoffs, like you said, there's not a lot of teams that are going to match them toe to toe. I think the Bills are a team that can match them toe to toe, but it's not like people are going out and saying, "Oh well." The I mean, people are saying it, but it's not the majority opinion that the Bills are better than the Chiefs right now. Mm-hmm. So 
But again, if that game becomes a shootout, if it's Mahomes and Allen going back and forth, which I think is possible. I think the way the Bills offense is playing right now, coupled with the, the way the Chiefs defense has been this year, I think that could happen. And then it's about which defense can make that one stop. It's hard to put that stock in the Chiefs right now. That's my concern. You know, I still think they outscore everyone. I still think they're the best team in the AFC. But there is that kind of thought in the back of your mind. It's like, well, what if someone does match them on offense, you know? And mm. then what happens? You know, their defense hasn't been able to get that one stop. Yeah, I'm. their one loss of the season, it was Mahomes didn't have enough time when they got the ball yeah. back, right? That, that's and the so, thing. And that's what it comes down when to. When they I almost think... lost to the Raiders, or when they almost lost the second time, that's when yeah. he had too much time. Like, that's yeah. it. If Mahomes has the ball with too much time, it's over. But, you know, if a team can kind of match them, that's the issue. Yeah, and so it's time management equally with, with um, you know, the ability to, to match them score for score. So it's going to be fun. They're not unbeatable. They're not on this. I, I think they are the number one team in football, but they're not head and shoulders above everybody else. They're, they're clearly uh, beatable. Um, and like we said, any given Sunday, any given Saturday, you know, when we get into the playoffs, things can happen. All right, let's end it here with the Monday night football preview. I'm not expecting a close game, but what I am looking for from the Steelers team is some, any, any way to establish the run. Now people talk about it a lot and they're like, Oh, you know, this, this Steelers team can't run the ball and, and this and that, and whatever the case, I'll be completely honest with you. I don't know. I mean, wide receiver drops is a huge issue. That's something that people just, I feel like are ignoring because that, that, that plays into it too. (laughs) But I think the Steelers uh, almost stubbornness to continue to run the football when it's not working hurts them more than having no running game does. Because they can run these screens. They've got some talented receivers. They can run these screens. They can get plays and get chunks and keep the clock moving uh, without necessarily handing the ball off. So that's my, you know, obviously get some confidence in the running game back. But if it's not working, don't be afraid to just stick to the air. Now, Big Ben is another guy who has uh, not looked the same as he was in previous years. And, and I thought it would affect the Steelers more. That's why I had him going at eight and eight going into the year. Obviously not that. But this team... If they if they show a, a stubbornness to run the football, if it's not working, you know, then that's going to be the thing that hurts them. Yeah, I mean, this could be a team that wins 13, maybe more uh, games. You know, they could go 14 and two, you never know. But again, mm-hmm. they could go 13 and three. And yeah, I could see them just go out with a whimper in the first round because like you said, they have this kind of stubbornness. I mean, it was so evident last week. And, and it's interesting when you talk about running the ball because a lot, you know, established a run to me isn't, that you know it can be important in certain situations but it's not that important like a lot of people were talking about the bills early on they're like well they can't run so you know when it gets cold they're not gonna be able to do anything well hasn't really mattered so far and they've mm-hmm. kind of figured out the run game as well but for for the Steelers I mean last week was brutal I mean James Conner had 10 carries for 18 yards like yeah. there has to be somewhere in those 10 carries where you're saying this isn't really working out all that well and it's been interesting because even ever since week one that Monday night game against the Giants it was like Benny Snell could be the guy for them. And they, they mm-hmm. only got three touches in that game against the Bills. But again, they sh- they have the talent, like you said, for those short passes. And that's what we hear. We've heard that every single time the series play. It's like, well, Big Ben gets rid of the ball fast. He's got to get rid of the ball, got to get rid of the ball, got to re- get rid of the ball. But the Bills and, and the Washington football team have kind of given a little blueprint on how to beat the Steelers. You know, they're not going to sit back. They're not going to let you get off those quick throws. They brought a little pressure on Big Ben to see how he could handle that, not quite as well as he used to handle it. So they're going to have to figure things out. And like you said, it doesn't have to be, you know, a marriage to running the ball. They can still get these short passes. But, you know, there's not a ton that we can learn about uh, against a Bengals team that isn't really playing for much right now. Uh, they've kind of not given up. But, again, they they don't have Joe Burrow. It could be an ugly game. But there we could still learn a lot about the Steelers in terms of their offense because it's not – a you know this machine that we kind of saw at some points during the year at this point yeah it's almost like this this Bengals game is like a is a game type situation in practice you know what I mean where you where you it's the offense versus the defense and you get a chance to see see what they're capable of I think if you really want to to uh change this this run game uh you got to do it in the offseason now is not the time right but this is your best shot against the Bengals to experiment is Anthony McFarlane going to be the guy that steps up? Is Benny Snell going to be the guy that steps up? Can you get James Conner going or, or Jalen Samuel? You know, who, who is it going to be? Um, but when it doesn't work so obviously, um, and I think you're right, the blueprint, the blueprint was laid out. 
right? Everyone knows Big Ben throws the ball fast. So what did Washington do? They got their hands up there. They were batting passes. They were wreaking havoc. Uh, so, so like you said, the blueprint is out there, but it, it's either, it's one of two things. You find that confidence and, and go with it into the next few games. I'll tell you right now, Steelers play the Colts next week. If the Steelers try to run the ball 15, 20 times against one of the best run defenses in the NFL, the Colts are going to win that football game. That is what every team is begging them to do. Wide receiver drops are, are a lot more fixable than an, a, a rushing attack that gets one and a half yards a carry. So that's, I'm looking for, for something, some life from this run game. And if not scrap it, that's fine. I genuinely think big Ben throwing the ball 60 times a game is more effective than him throwing 40 and letting the, uh, the rushing attack handle 15 to 20 carries. Yeah. And essentially, like you said, use those receivers on screens, use them as kind of an extension of the run game. Cause they have the talent there. I mean, I'm not, I, I'll never be out on Deontay Johnson because he has so much talent, but something's going on there, you know, something's yeah. not, not right there. And you kind of see that, uh, the hesitation kind of forming with him, which is never a good habit for a receiver, but this Steelers team, I mean, I could see this, you know, this should be a blowout, but I could see, uh, this game being too much of a grinded out game for the Steelers where you're like, Ooh, and then they've got the Colts next week. And then they've got the Browns in week 17. Like they could really backpedal into the playoffs. And I think that would be that would be the worst case scenario for the Steelers. I mean, this could be a team that started off so well. I mean, a lot of everyone said, you know, the worst 11 and 0 team ever, but they were still 11 and 0. And if they can go out whimpering and they lose in the first round, I mean, there's going to be a lot of questions for them to address going into the off season. All right. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Oh, I will say before we let everybody go, I think the Rams beat the Seahawks next week. That's a game for the division. We saw something, we, you know, we saw the, the Rams struggle this past week, but that's kind of the wake up call loss that you need. Like that's what, that's what you want from a team because it didn't cost them a lot in terms of playoff positioning and all that. They've got the tiebreaker over the bucks so that are likely the five seed or bust, but a big game against a, a Seahawks team. You, you get the tiebreaker, you likely win the division. Um, and I think that makes sense. I, I like, I like the Rams over the Seahawks next week. Uh, but Luke, it's been a ton of fun, always a good time. We need to get you on very soon. We're talking, we're, we're getting into NFL draft season very quickly. I'm, I'm doing some, some read-ups on guys, um, and, and hopefully can, can start establishing stuff, but we, de we definitely want to get your input with that, uh, moving forward. Yeah, it's getting exciting. So, uh, enjoy these last few weeks, you know, soak them in as you, as you have a full slate of games. You know, we've got games every single day, basically, this week after, uh, you know, we've got even a Christmas Day game. So enjoy enjoy the football, people, because, you know, we, we missed it so much. It's finally back. Uh, you know, let's let, let's keep it going.